This is a call to those who want incredible success, but do not necessarily want to get filthy rich. You want to help others, be purposeful, and enjoy all life has to offer. Welcome to the Inbound Marketing Revolution. This is Dow of Inbound with Ion Garlic. On this week's Dow of Inbound, we have a marketing and business guru. Uh, what I love is not only he preaches the tenets of business, but also the tenets of mindset and tenets of getting over uh, what's in your head. Because as we've talked about time and time again, it's probably one of the most important things. Our guest today has faced his share of challenges, including cancer long-term unemployment and came over it and got over it and has made not only a successful business, but built up a coaching practice and helps others. Uh, I really, really am excited to have Jim Palmer on, on today's show. Jim, thanks for being here. Hi, and how are you doing, man? We connected like five years ago. Uh, we were both part of this uh, a book through our, our mutual friend, Richard Seppala. I know. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I actually um, was in contact with him yesterday. So uh, it, that's it's fantastic. Actually, one of his team members. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a very small world. And you know when people are doing great things and those that strive to do great things, the world gets smaller and smaller, I'm finding. It really does. <laughs> so, Jim, thanks for being on the show. Um, you know, you, you mentioned a few things. You know, first of all, Jim has been nice enough to offer all of the listeners here a free copy of his latest books, his sixth book, Decide, uh, which really is about mindset. And if you want to get a free copy of it, all you do is pay shipping, six ninety five. Go to decideforsuccessbook.com. That's decide, F-O-R, successbook.com. Dot com. Jim, thanks a lot for giving that away. Um, tell My me, pleasure. I was kind of shamed into writing it, by the way. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, when I was doing my live events, one of the things, instead of just teaching marketing and strategy and stuff, I, I really started opening up about some of the struggles that I had had early on because, as you mentioned, I faced long-term unemployment about in 2000. I was VP of marketing, lost my job, and you know, I had four teenagers at home. We had made a life choice that my wife would be a stay-at-home mom. So I was like the sole breadwinner. And and um, a year into that unemployment is when I first had cancer. So I went through some serious stuff. And when I started my business in October 2001, it's fair to say my, my goals and my aspirations weren't huge like you might expect for an entrepreneur because I was just happy to be alive. I just wanted to do some business. And uh, you know, a lot of things as I look back in my 14 year journey, um, there's a lot of head trash that entrepreneurs face, whether it's with money. You know, when I started my business, I had over six figures of credit card debt and I had to overcome a lot of, uh, confidence issues, self esteem issues. I was dealing with the debt that was weighing heavy on my mind. So all these things are like, you could be the best at what you do from a skill perspective, but if you don't have your mindset right, you're always going to be, be, uh, held back. So, so important. And, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, where, what were, what was the first mindset that really helped you change and really, uh, start you on the path upward? It's so funny. I mean, it just instantly comes to my mind. So 
about a year or two into my first business, I was really struggling. In fact, my first year is what I refer to as revenue-free, which means, yeah, I was the president of my own business, but I had no income whatsoever. So I was actually having, I had a couple part-time jobs while I was trying to build my business. But when I did get going, um, I was very uh, blessed to meet a, a mentor, a guy who had started and grown and sold like, I think, four businesses. And he said, so, hey, Palmer, what's what's your goal for this dynamic thing? That My first company was called Dynamic Communication. I said, John, if I can just, man, if I can just generate like fifty dollars to $100,000, I'm going to be a happy camper. And he looked at me with like disgust and shock and horror. We were at a diner. I, <laughs> he kind of reached across the table and faked, pardon my expression, bitch slapped me a little bit. And he's like, what the hell? Why would you start a business for that, man? You could go get a job for that. And he says, how about, how about $500,000? Forget 50. And he said, here's your problem, Jim. You think too small. You need to think bigger. That was, I, I will never forget. That was my first, what I, a life lesson, business lesson. And back when I started shooting videos, like over six years ago, I and I've been doing them every week for that long. One of my very first videos I called The Power of Zero, and I related that story. So whatever my goal was, John basically said, add a zero to it and, and go for that. And the strategy is, let's say you're, okay, let's say you want to have 10 new clients this month. We'll shoot for 100, and if you fall woefully short and only hit 20 or 30, you're going to be so much farther ahead than if you hit your original goal of 10, because anybody can do 10, right? We always tend to aim too low, so I, I would say that was my first huge mindset shift. Um, and so, you know, the big things I feel with, you know, those types of mindset shifts are it's great at that moment. You know, you're in the diner and you're like, Oh, I, I, that's right. I'm going to go out and get it. You walk out the diner, get it in your car. I'm going to go out and get it. You get to the office. You're like, uh, <laughs> so how did you keep that mindset up? Well, actually that's a really good point because you're still living within your own head, so to speak, or at least you're living in, I, I, I describe entrepreneurs this way. You have your current you, in your current business situation and you have the future you and the future business that you want to have. And the more you open up and, and expand and use leverage and things and, uh, you know, the skill and talent of other people, the better off you're going to be and the faster you're going to get there. So like so many people, when I was going through my transition, um, I read Think and Grow Rich. I read the new psycho cybernetics and I started learning about the power of the subconscious mind. I mean, I, I started working when I was 15. I had many jobs. I climbed the corporate ladder pretty fast fast. And so I did have a lot of experience, but then what we do is we live inside our own daily activity. I call sometimes we're like firemen. We're constantly putting out fires instead of proactively growing. So one of the things that I learned, and I, I forget which one of those two books it was, but you want to ask your subconscious mind a question and you actually say it out loud. So it's not just the voice in your head, your ears actually hear it. And <clears throat> so when I, when I uh, had my first business where I was creating newsletters, doing all the work, I, I said, um, in order to take advantage of this uh, thing called leverage, I said, what do I have to do? So and when I write and design a newsletter, instead of being paid by just one client and then hoping, wishing, and praying they come back next month, next quarter, or any time in the next 12 months, I can actually be paid by hundreds or thousands of people. And about two or three months after that is when the idea came for No Hassle Newsletters, which is my my online business where I sell done-for-you newsletter templates like hundreds of people all over this country and about seven other countries. It all starts, Ian, with asking the right questions. 
right? So if, because your mind will feed you the answer. I started learning about internet marketing. I wasn't really familiar with it when I started my business. I knew you had to have a website. So I put up this piece of crap, static business card website. I think I made it with front page way back then, you know, and it looked horrible, but I had a website, tick that off the box. Well, little did I know I, I need an opt-in so I can start collecting names and I can market to them and all the different things. But, you know, we, we just live in our current situation. And so when you, when you connect with and, and sometimes invest with, with other, other, with a, with, with a group or a coach or with other people, it's going to help you get there faster. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, uh, my last show, and this is a big point that keeps coming across is developing masterminds, getting in front of coaching. Um, and it, it's one of those things I feel that people don't realize until they get in front of a good group and, and talk with a good group and have people that are really uh, have the abundance mindset and really want to help them that it's, it's the, that's a huge shift too. How did you go about finding those first groups of people? So I had that mentor, that first mentor I was talking about. And then about three years after that, so probably the 2006 or seven timeframe when I started transitioning to the whole online, um, business model that I have now. Um, that's when I first got introduced to Dan Kennedy, started studying all his stuff. And, um, I, I got invited to join this mastermind group. I actually, sat on the decision for about six months because it was a $400 a month investment. And my cash flow said, no, my, my heart said, I want to do this, but my, you know, you know, from a pure cash flow, smart business decision, I shouldn't have done it. But I knew in my heart of hearts that there are people in that group that can help me. I know I, I, I'm not a dumb guy. I've got some pretty good, you know, business smarts, but there's people who are smarter than me. There's people who have gone before me and done what I want to do. They've done what I don't even know to do. And so I figured I've got the drive. I've got the work ethic. I, I work crazy and I'm a very hard worker. I, and if I can just get those ideas, I can accelerate my growth. And the deal, that I made with myself, Ian, was that, you know, I'm going to implement whatever I learn. I'm not going to put my entrepreneur, what I call my entrepreneurial stink on it. You know, when you hear an idea and you go, well, that's pretty cool, but let me just make it mine, right? It's, mm-hmm. so, it's like an ego thing. So what, if somebody says, do this way, boy, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to try and make sure it works. Or, you know, if there's a track record of this working and I think it'll work, boom, I'm going to go do that. I don't care who gives me the, the idea or who gets the credit. It's my business and I'll, I'll use that idea to grow. About four months into my, um, investment, I was already, I had already taken on enough new clients where the new revenue was far and away surpassing the original $400 a month outlay. That's fantastic. And it's funny how, I, I mean, I feel those big investments, the ones that really, you, you know, in your heart, you want to do, but really the, the bottom line says, don't do it. Those always seem to turn out to be the best ones, don't they? You know, I write in my book about the different types of entrepreneurs, <clears throat> excuse me, as it relates to risk and, and finances in general. And I, you know, this is very simplistic. Because I didn't, I didn't go to college for accounting or any philosophy <laughs> or anything. So this is just me. But I think there's three types of entrepreneurs. There's a savings account entrepreneur. There's a stock market entrepreneur. And then there's a casino entrepreneur. So I and a, a, a savings account entrepreneur is the safest. That's the safest. Like, so if you, in other words, if you take $10,000 and you put it in your, your, the bank at the corner of your town, the savings and loan, you go back there in 10 years, it's 
guaranteed to be there. There's absolutely no risk of it disappearing. In fact, it's guaranteed by the government. I don't know if that helps or not, but it's literally guaranteed to be there. And in fact, they'll even pay you a dollar twenty-six in interest over ten years because the, the, it's such a small return because there's absolutely no risk. The second kind of entrepreneur, and you can kind of. I, because we're limited on time, I won't go into the entire explanation. Hopefully, people are starting to figure out what, what I'm painting the picture here of. But the second type of entrepreneur <clears throat> is a stock market entrepreneur. And so, if you take ten thousand and you go to play it in the stock market, you could even be conservative with some mutual funds and things like that. Even over ten years, even during some tumultuous times, you're going to earn. I'm guessing five percent is fair to say. Some people seven, eight percent, without even being a, a you know a super smart stock market type of individual. So there's a little more risk. You could lose the, the entire principle. It's not likely, but there's a risk of that. But with risk comes reward. So you're probably going to you know do pretty well. And then a casino entrepreneur, somebody who just believes so much in what they're doing that they, they take their chips and they push them into the center of the table and they bet big to win big. Now, one of the examples I usually talk about when I'm out speaking is Fred Smith, who founded Federal Express in the late 70s during the, the Iranian oil embargo. Gas was super expensive. And when he launched his overnight letter service, it was just letters at the time. This was like pre-fax machine for those people who are 30 years old. <laughs> you know. So he was going to do overnight letters. And they, they were about $20, $25, if my memory is correct. And, but Fred didn't just like buy a used Cessna and try and say, okay, let's, let's just try Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas and see how it goes. He had multiple DC-9 jets, a pilot, co-pilot in each one. He had to have ground crews. He had to have vans to deliver the stuff and all the computer. He rolled the dice in a big way. For the first year, he lost millions and millions and millions of dollars until this thing caught hold. Enough momentum kicked in. I mean, he's a multi, multi-millionaire. If not a billionaire, I don't know what his net worth is. But my point is, the degree that you want to be handsomely rewarded with success, and however that looks for you, you have to be willing to take a risk. And, yeah, and I mean, but it, it, it's, I think the bigger risk, and it, this comes back to mindset, and I think you'll probably agree, is not doing it. Because well, what kind of life is it living, not taking those risks on yourself and not taking those risks to improve yourself, right? That's really it. And and kind of the idea of, you know, decide is a mindset book, but I did not want to market it that way because everybody, oh, mindset, mindset. Now, it's actually, I tell several stories of different uh, myself and different people who went through different things. So, it, and I guarantee there's stories in there that you'll relate with. But what I call uh, the, the the most, if you had to say one word, what is what one word most uh, signifies successful people? It's decide, because when you when you face an opportunity or a challenge or a crisis or whatever, you make a decision and you move forward. Yes or no, and. Sometimes no is appropriate, but you never, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to put it on the back burner. I'm going to run it up the flagpole, see how many people salute it, throw it against the wall, see what's No, fast growing businesses require momentum, I say, that you have to have a lot of forward momentum. Indecision leads to slower momentum. I, I Because I'm a boater, I think indecision is like throwing the anchor off the back of the boat and hitting the motor to go. You're going to be like, going nowhere or dragging that thing. So fast, decisive action. Now, people say, well, if you make decisions too fast, you could make mistakes. That's true. But I find that, you know, 
over the course of several years, months, whatever, as you start making these decisions, you get better at it. You trust your gut. You make a decision. Sometimes they don't work out, but you know what? When your business is growing and moving forward, you can absorb an occasional blow to the stomach, if you will, and you can course, you know, correct the course and move forward. But indecision is, is the quickest way to uh, a loser business, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's the quickest way to, to lose at anything is indecision. And, and, uh, um, so we talked a little bit before the call about building a dream business and, and that you're coaching people on building a dream business. You know, that's, it's a big term, dream business. Uh, what is a dream business? So everybody may have a different definition. Here's my definition of a dream business. A dream business grows, continues to grow even during a crappy economy. It has multiple streams of revenue. So you know, as, as one business or one stream of revenue might go through peaks and valleys, you got others that are going to keep the ship afloat. It becomes an asset for worry-free retirement. It's always firing on all cylinders. It's fun to operate. It allows you to live the lifestyle you want. And finally, it allows you to give back and make a difference in the lives of others. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, especially giving back and helping others. Yeah, we talked in a past episode about Ben Franklin and, you know, if you look at his history, and I love his autobiography because he talks about how hard he worked and then he was able to give back not only to others, but to his country in such a big way um, and how much meaning that has. Um, but let's say, you know what, I just want to give back to others. I don't know what my dream business is. Is I mean, should I be making that decision right now and saying, hey, I'm going to go open my dream business or should I wait till and think about it? <laughs> well, I think you just answered the question. You know what I'm going to say because you're chuckling. No, you, you make a decision and you go forward. Now, you could have several businesses. I mean, you could start one today and you move forward and it, it gets so far. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to start another one. And then you have two and three and four. That's how you have multiple streams of revenue. You know, I, I believe everybody has a gift, uh, a skill or a talent. And, you know, the people who are, who are, um, smart enough, savvy enough, gutsy enough to make a business out of that to, can do really, really well. I mean, growing, starting and growing a successful small business is the fastest way to financial freedom. I mean, you can bust your hump and, and get raises. Oh, well, I guess what? I got 4% this year. That's better than last year when I got 2%. I mean, it, growing a business is by far and away, it's got risk. Okay. But again, risk reward, but making that decision now, if you are, let's just say you're a carpet cleaner and you have a really great marketing, you do everything right, you can make a very nice living cleaning carpets. I don't know that that's a dream business. It might be. I mean, it might be a thing where you got multiple trucks out there and as the owner, you're not cleaning carpets anymore. You're just handling the marketing and all that. That could be your definition of a dream business. I think uh, the ultimate definition, in my opinion, of a dream business is one where you realize you're using what I believe is a God-given skill or talent, and then it's making a huge impact in addition to being a good business. And just use myself as an example. You know, I, I was coaching for about the last seven years, and I just started doing live events two years ago. So the feedback I was getting was just working with my clients and through people like reading my books and stuff. When I started doing live events and teaching this stuff live, I was starting to have a bigger impact, and people come up to me, and you get that instant feedback. Not only that, when I was you know in front of a group of people for three days, 
uh, instead of just some time on the phone, it's it started resonating in a big way. And I and when I started when I did my very first event and I shared about my my credit card debt and how, what I did to overcome that, I saw like three people in the audience with tears in their eyes, and I knew I was hitting home. Like two of them came up to me afterwards and said, "Thank you for sharing that. I'm right there now where you were, you know, several years ago, and I just heard what I what I need to hear to keep on keeping on." I share that story, not to say, oh, look at Jim, but because I'm doing what I do, I'm able to help other people. So not only am I building a business because I make a nice living as a coach, but I'm helping other people get through and create their dream business. And to me, that's like the ultimate dream business. It's fantastic helping other people. That's, that's why I love, you know, our agency. We, we only work primarily with small businesses. If I can't talk to the person that owns the business and if it's not making an impact on their bottom line, we just don't do it because, it, and I think that's the American dream is like, hey, you work hard and you get results directly from your work. And I love, I love seeing that. And that's, it's so rewarding. Um, what's, what's the, your favorite story of someone that you've helped? There is a, um, and I, I often tell this story as an example because sometimes when you're a coach, you talk with somebody who's a prospective client, they'll say, well, what do you know about my industry? Right. You know, I don't know anything about every industry, but I'm a darn good marketer, right? So the story I tell, and this is very, uh, it's a, it's a good answer to the question you asked. So about three years ago, uh, I met a woman, she's a doctor in Canada and she, she specialized in helping people with fatigue and menopause issues. So what does Jim know about menopause? Well, nothing. What is, you know, other than I'm, I'm a husband and I'm 57. So figure that out. And then, um, you know, what do I know about fatigue other than, you know, I'm, I'm tired because I work hard. But anyway, I, I started figuring out what it what is going to be her brand other than just this name of her. She had a name for her practice, which many people will name their business something that sounds cute or relevant to them. It has good meaning to them. Mm-hmm. In reality, it ha- means nothing to people who are searching for it. And so um, in one of our conversations, uh, she said, hey, I just had a client that uh, drove like three hours to see me. And then she started moving on. I said, whoa, whoa, stop. Tell me why they drove three hours. And she said, because I practice something called functional medicine. And I said, and just like, bam, that's it. So over the last two years, we have rebranded her the functional medicine doctor. We've created multiple websites, rebranded her business. She's been growing by leaps and bounds. She's written a book. She does interviews all over the place. She gives talks. She creates info products. All because we found the niche. And so not only has she, she has her dream business from a financial standpoint, but she, she's even able to help people via Skype video because a lot of the things that she does doesn't require, you know, an, an in-office visit. So she's helping people literally all over the, all over the world because of this new branding and positioning we we're able to create for her. That's awesome. I love that. And you, you hit on a big point that I, I've, I've been talking with a lot of people about lately is, is stop the cutesy names. <laughs> yeah. Be, because it's, it's killing your business. And, uh, it was funny because I'm dry. I, I travel a lot and do a lot of speaking and work with clients all over the country and mostly big cities. But then I drive through these small towns and I was wondering why these small towns had all these cutesy name places that you never see anywhere else. And I realize it's because, Hey, yeah, they have a community and you know, they know Jim down the street has, has his, you know, the marketing dog business, which I need to ask you about too. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, why do you think, how do you think people can get over that cutesy name 
and, and realize that they should just have a straightforward name. One of the things I'm known for as a coach is um, it's called tough love. So I will tell it to you straight. So one of my new coaching clients is in the service business. Um, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you his name, but but um, the name of his company, he's a carpet cleaner. The name of his company doesn't even have the word carpet in it, right? And I'm like, so if somebody searches carpet cleaning, your your name will not come up in a Google search, right? Um, so we've actually just only in the last 30 days that he started working with me, we've already rebranded his business. We've given him a new name, a new tagline. And we got some, we got like five new domains, which speak to what he does and it speaks to the area. So we own all those domains now. So if anybody happens to type in, you know, carpet cleaning in, in a certain town name, he's going to come up. Um, it, it really boils down to, <clears throat> and by the way, when I started working, um, with him and it's, and it's, it's not a rare thing. This happens a lot, but people are like, ah, oh, I really like my name. I've, I've used it for the last 12 years and blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, I can help you do some stuff, but if you really want to significantly grow your revenue and pay down your debt, provide for your retirement, you're going to have to make some hard choices because I don't enjoy doing things on a small scale. There's only so much I can do for you if you're not willing. In fact, to be honest with you, when I nobody can just join my program. We have to have an interview first. And one of the questions I ask people, I say, are you willing to have your business look completely different one year from now? I'm not saying it will or it has to, but you have to be open to the possibility of change for me to really be able to help you. I love that. I love that because it's, you can't, you can't be, you have to be concerned about the success, not the, uh, what you think is good. And, That's right. Uh, it's so important. Um, so if someone is going to start their dream business and they're sitting here listening to this and maybe they've started a business and they're like, oh, this isn't my dream business. Besides calling you up and, and getting Jim Palmer as the, the dream business coach, what would you say would be the next step? Figure out why. Uh, first of all, figure out if you even enjoy what you're doing. Uh, I'll, I'll, share, I'll share three more questions that I ask and so people can try and answer these, it'll be very instructive. So when I'm uh, figuring out what people are doing now and how I can help them, I say, I want you to think about, um, because a lot of people do different things, multiple things, even within like one business, they offer different services or perhaps different products. I say, I want you to tell me the top three services or products um, that are in the most demand right now, top top uh, three products that are the most profitable and because they're not always the same and the top three products where you think there's the most growth opportunity. <clears throat> Again, I, and very often they're not the same. There could be something in high demand and because of that, it's got a lower profit margin. The, uh, there could be three items that have a high profit margin, but low demand or at least se- seemingly low demand. And then there could be three items that have maybe already crested the wave, so to speak, and they're not on the, they're not on a growth trend. But if you can, if we can identify one, two or three items or services that all three of those match, you've got a home run. Um, I'm not sure how, how we actually got booked on the interview, but I use, uh, interview connections, Jessica Rhodes's company. It yeah. happens, happens to be my daughter, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yep. So a couple of years ago when she was pregnant with, uh, Nathan, her first child, my first grandson, um, she said, I'd, I'd love to be a stay at home mom, but you know, we can't afford to live on just Jamie's salary or husband. And, I, and so I helped her start a virtual assistant business about six months into it. So then Nathan was, she started when she was pregnant. Six months into her business, which was about three months after Nathan was born, Stephanie and I were up in Rhode Island where they live, and Jessica and I went out for a walk, 
And we had Nathan in the stroller, and I, I asked her those three questions. She said, I really want to grow faster. I like what I'm doing. I asked her those three questions. One of the things she was doing, she I was her first client, and then I started introducing her to people. Uh, because I love doing interviews, I said, you know, the person I have now is is just maxed out. So one of the things I want you to do is get me booked on more shows, right? And so when I asked her that question, I had the th- same three questions she said, you know what? I love booking interviews. I think there's a huge growth potential because podcasting just continues to explode. And this was like two plus years ago. And, um, and it's profitable because I, because I can do it. I, and, and I can, if I grow, I can just have, you know, my own team of virtual assistants. And, um, I said, you know, Jess, what I like about it is you're connecting, you're connecting me, uh, with interviews. I mean, you're like the connector and boom, the light bulb went off over my head. I said, do you have your phone with you? She goes, of course. I said, get it out and go to GoDaddy. We're still, pu- I'm pushing the stroller right now. Right? <laughs> and she goes to GoDaddy and we, about three or four different combinations. She ended up buying the domain interviewconnections.com. And that became her second business, which is now her, her, her largest business. So. You can see how just asking those three questions can lead to what might be in front of you that you're not even seeing yet. Yes, that's I love that. I love those questions. And uh, you know, I, I besides, um, so if someone wanted to, they got the questions down, and they're like, you know, I, I want to hire Jim. How do, how do they get a hold of you to, for uh, some dream business coaching? Uh, dreambizcoaching.com dreambizcoaching.com is the website uh, there's a lot of information there it is by application only but you can you can not only learn about the program I think there's over 50 uh, testimonials from people that I've been worked with or that I've helped uh, and you can just apply that will get you your application will be uh, reviewed by my personal assistant of like five years Kate and if we think it's a, a good fit then we'll schedule a 30 minute call with me and uh, we'll talk about your business. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sure uh, some of the listeners will be giving you a call. Um, so I just have a few more questions, just sure. uh, some personal stuff. Um, currently, you know, we talked a lot about mindset. What's the mindset that you're working on for yourself? There's, I'm going to give you one that I just will just, but literally within the last two years, it's called, I call them demons. So I kick this demon to the curb and, um, and then one that I'm working on current day, um, so two years ago, when I, as I mentioned, I started doing live events. That was a big hang up for me, Ian, because, you know, when you start doing your own events, it's one thing to go be a speaker at somebody else's event, but when it's your name on it and you got to market it, you got to put butts in the seat, so to speak. And by the way, you have to reserve the hotel. You got to commit to a certain amount of food and beverage that you're going to spend there. You got to commit to a certain number of rooms that will be rented, you know? And if, if nobody comes, by the way, when you sign the contract, you still owe the money. So you're, <laughs> you're putting out uh, 10, 15, $20,000 is on the line. Not, not, not to mention your reputation. And, um, but I finally, and then the flip side of that is what if I do have a following, like I think I do and people come and I get up in front of the room for three days and I suck, you know, (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of head trash. Well, I, I using some of the strategies that I talk about in my book decide I was able to kick that demon to the curb. And I'm so glad I did because it's the, the live events are just have changed my life and other lives. But the one, I'll tell you what. And this is kind of a fun one. So two years ago, this uh, spring of uh, 2014, 
I finally bought a boat and I've wanted a boat. When we first got married, I said, Steph, I want a boat. I've been a boater all my life. And she goes, well, let's start our family first. Well, 34 years later, <laughs> after four kids are grown, two girls got married, went to college, all this and that. Um, I finally bought my boat and, um, I'm going to give you a glimpse into what my personal dream business looks like, Ian. So I can run my business on three days a week. So I do all my coaching calls and interviews um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And Monday and Friday, for the most part, are non-call days. So those are days if I'm writing a book, I can literally write all day long. I have no interruptions whatsoever, calls in or out. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are my call days. So when I got my boat... I said, you know what? On either Fridays or Mondays, I'm gonna. I want to have a three day weekend and just be on my boat and enjoy it. And when I first did, so last summer I made some good progress. But I'll tell you this: I, I felt a little bit guilty on Monday or Friday when I'm down on my boat having a good time. I fully knew that I worked hard all my life. I deserve it. It's a big goal. I made it happen. But the rest of the world's at work. And I'm playing around on my boat. It felt weird to me, right? Because yeah. I'm a I'm a worker bee. I'm I'm 57. I and so I've I've got I've been working since I was 15. I'm just I'm a worker bee, I guess. You know, I just got that mentality. I should be working, right? So, um, you know, I do have a mindset coach. Her name's Melanie Benson Strick, and she actually's all over my book. Decide. I've shared a lot of our stuff, and she she gave me some strategies to 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 work on that. And so, my goal when I made a goal at the beginning of 2015, it wasn't even a financial goal. I said I want to work only three to four days a week for at least like five or six months. So starting in May when, you know, it started warming up here in, uh, in Pennsylvania, um, I, I only work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, occasionally one of the other days if I, if I had some stuff to do, but I had a minimum of three day weekends and some four day weekends all summer long. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> and it's just kind of weird because, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, we're so, we're so motivated and driven to success that when you get to where you want it to go, it's like, well, I better keep going, right? And so next thing you know, you're going to be 80 or 90 or whatever, and you've worked your entire life. So it's that, that was the mindset that I'm, I continue to work on it. I'm not great at it, but I'm, I want to, I want to be able to slow down a little bit more without worrying about slowing down. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a tough balance. Uh, it really is. <laughs> um, you know, you always think you want to slow down and then you, you just can't. Uh, what's your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote is, and I, this used to be on Ronald Reagan's desk and I forget who said it. It might be, uh, one of the British prime ministers said, it's, it's amazing what can be accomplished when you don't care who gets the credit. So I forget who said it, but I, I it was I read it in a Ronald Reagan book at one point, and he ha- he always had it on his desk. And to me, that's like that is something entrepreneurs really need to get at. Especially, oh, yeah. I mean, you you get an idea, like I said, and the first thing you want to do is you want to change it to fit your business. Well, for goodness sakes, <laughs> it's been known, it's been proven umpteen, umpteen times how many different ways, and you feel like you got to change it. So, I mean, some of the best ideas that I've had in my business came from my team, came from mentors, came from mastermind groups that I'm in. And I readily, I mean, I try as much as I, my failing memory will allow, I always try and give credit where I first heard something or, or reference something. But my mission and my goal for being an entrepreneur was to first get myself out of debt and then create a nice retirement and a nice life. But other than that, it's not, I don't want to go up and say, hey, 
by the way, I said that. I wrote that. I got my hand up in the air now. Like I'm, you know, that's me. That's me. I am not. I am not ego driven, man. It's not about ego. It's about creating. It's about creating a great life now and creating a a, a great retirement. That's that's and and doing the giving back that we talked about. That's what motivates me. That's fantastic. You know, that's a great quote because it's so true. I think it's probably one of the most difficult things for entrepreneurs, the me too syndrome. And then they want it to be all theirs instead of this abundance mindset. Like, Hey, yep. let's, let's all do it together. Um, and then my last question, what's, uh, the best book you've read in the past year? Um, God, I read so many. Um, you know, there's a book and I read it. It might be two years ago, but it was called the slight edge. It's the first one that popped into my head. Oh, I want, I want to amend that. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead with that. The slight edge is all about these slight improvements that you make every day, right? And it's, it basically, when uh, a friend of mine told me about the book, he said, listen, let's read it together. And he said, I can't do a push-up to save my life, but in a year, I want to be able to do 20 push-ups. And I, I, I said, hold on. I put, I literally put the phone down. I said, all right, I can do three and I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and I said, I, all we got to do with the slight edge is you do it every single day. And for an entrepreneur, here's why it's important. So I do videos every week. I do my podcast every week. I do social media. I do all these different things. And if I was to skip a day or skip a week on a video or podcast, it's not immediately going to be like hugely detrimental to my business. Like you don't see it, but over time, it's you're slowing down the momentum or you're getting off track. So it's doing the things you need to do every single day to grow your business and have a better life. Like, so today I can get down and I can crank out 30 Marine style pushups because I do it every single day, <laughs> even on vacation for the most part. Yeah. And so thank you. But, but it's, it just goes to show you have to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm very comfortable doing video because I've been doing it every single week for over five years. So people are like, well, I can't do that. Well, just start, start <laughs> where you are with what you have. The other book, which I really, really enjoyed is called Me. Inc. by Gene Simmons of Kiss. It came out like three, four months ago. And people go, oh, what a conceited blowhard. Well, he sort of is, but he's also super, super smart. And one of the biggest lessons, uh, I think it's kind of early in the book, but he talked about all the different revenue streams that he has. And he said, you know, when he started Kiss with Paul Stanley and the other dudes, he said, I didn't know how to read music. I never had a music lesson, so that didn't stop me. He said, later on, I became a producer. I started producing bands. He was one of the people who first discovered Van Hale and all these other bands. He said, was I a record producer? No, that didn't stop me. Then I started writing books. I never read a book, wrote a book in my life. That didn't stop me. Somebody wanted to uh, said I should start giving speeches. So I contacted uh, a speaking agency, and they said, well, the most people like you will get were probably 15, 20,000. He said, so I formed my own agency. I booked my out at $100,000. And he went on and on and on. He's like, he started a marketing company. Did I ever start a company? No. Did I know much about marketing? No, but I started my own company and it's like a multi-million dollar company. The big lesson there is for people who feel like, I don't know how to do that. I've never done it before. So what is the lesson there? Go do it anyway. That's fantastic. I love that attitude. People always ask me the same stuff. Well, how'd you learn how to do that? I'm like, you, I did it. <laughs> I started. I just did it. <laughs> and isn't that the secret? It's just getting started. Like, you know, making that decision, like you said, deciding uh, and going for it, man. You just, I mean, you know what? The difference between the top 1% and everybody else, I mean, now in political season, oh, the top 1%. Well, you know why they're at the top 1%? Because they're willing to do things that other people are not willing to do. 
They make the hard choices. They'll invest in themselves. They'll start a business. They'll start three of them. They'll actually give money away knowing that more will come back. And whatever your beliefs are, it just happens to be a universal law, <laughs> whether you believe in God or universe, spirit, whatever. When you give money away, more is going to come back to you. It's been proven. and I proved it. I didn't invent that, but I, I proved it to myself because I wanted to see if it worked. It does. So there's so many things um, that you just got to get started. But that that's why there are super successful people and others who just kind of muddle through because they're not willing to, first of all, decide and they're not willing to step up and take that first step, even if you're not quite sure where your foot's going to land. That's great. Jim, I could talk to you all day. This is, this awesome. is fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. You're a wonderful guest. I really appreciate you being on. Uh, if you ever want to come on again, you're more than welcome anytime. Uh, I'd love to come on again. Let's, let's set something up in, uh, let's maybe in January or something. That would be great. And if you're ever in Florida, you can definitely stop by and, uh, stop by the office when you do a live podcast. Now, are you in, uh, what part of Florida are you in? Orlando. I'm in Orlando right now, but I travel a lot. Well, we're, we're, we're going to be there soon. I can't say anything more than that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me know. Let me know for sure. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Hey, congratulations with your show, Ian. Thanks a lot, Jim. It's all about great guests like you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 